This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke Velasco. We've got Kyle Taylor here. We've got a fantastic lineup for you today. There's crazy things happening in the import world with imports hitting arguably almost an all-time high. We're getting close. We'll see if that happens. That's obviously going to funnel in the truckload rate. So we'll keep an eye out for later in the show when we talk to see if we will hit a new all-time high on the truckload side of things. And there's a lot of things happening with an infrastructure bill and all new things going in the freight market, which stay tuned for, of course. Uh, but first, Kyle, uh, thanks for joining me. And it looks like you you got some new some new digs over there, don't you? You got some new toys to play with uh, in the show. Yeah, yeah, just trying to keep up with the background that the the people over at Freight Waves get to get to use now that I'm down in Tampa. But uh, but yeah, no, this is the uh, the new with sonar from home. I love it. I love it. Uh, and that's part of it, right? You know, I feel like I feel like over the last year, year and a half, people's setups at home have gotten a lot more high tech. It's no longer, hey, you're sitting on a laptop on your couch. It's, hey, I've got the laptop here. I've got my big monitor over here. I've got a side monitor over there. I've got a microphone here. I've got backlighting. I've got this and that. It's it's very professional now. Some people makes, have makes very fast. Yeah, it makes for a very warm room. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on, and it definitely keeps the temperature high in the office. That's right. It does that. How many monitors are you working with now? Uh, we got three. So we got uh, camera, or sorry, laptop, curved monitor, and then TV. That's all connected together. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. How about you? I mean, no one gets to know you by your what by what I know you of. So it's it's very interesting that details. you. Yeah, no, no perfect. But this is this should be the first show that in in a few weeks that we're not having an Olympics update. How are you? Are you going to be able to manage? Oh man, oh man, it was it was tough. You know, great great Olympics by the way, in my view. Although I don't really have a bad Olympics, I just enjoy it, and I get it. You know, everybody's always has their opinions. To me, I just I just enjoy it. I just it, for me, it makes me happy. I don't know why. Um, pros and cons, right? Nothing's perfect. Everybody has a different experience, but I enjoyed it. Um, great time. So I'm okay. I'm not a huge, here's the reality with me, right? Is I'm not, I don't really follow sports programs that much. Like I don't watch the NFL hardly. It might be a game or two that'll pop on. I might take a look at, I don't really follow soccer or football for everybody else for the, for the diehards out there, uh, or the non-Americans, right? So I'm not watching the premier league or La Liga or anything like that. Um, you know, again, a game might pop on or two and I might watch it, but so for me, the Olympics, it, it, it just gives me kind of like a, a competitive kick, if you will. Uh, no meaning at life. Yeah, no, exactly. that's, that's perfect. But, uh, but no, so I like little, everybody little compete new- together, too, from different cultures and countries. To me, that's just fun. Um, always learn yeah. a little something new with that. No, but we got a lot. We got a lot to go through. So let's just kind of focus in a little bit because we're in a really peak time right now because a lot of things can if they they don't happen right now. It's going to cause for a lot of disruption later on, and and so, but to but to start off kind of as a, a on a on a very nice note. I mean, 
Freightwaves just hit what eighty five on the Inc one thousand. Eighty five Inc five thousand. Tell people what the Inc five thousand is for those that aren't aware. I mean, for the Inc five thousand, it's really a list um, that goes out, really looking at the fastest growing businesses throughout the United States, and they categorize them by kind of the biggest impact and how much growth they've had. And and so for for us being a, a media and, and SaaS business, it's it's substantial. I mean, there's I think about nineteen percent on that list. Or 19% of the companies on that list were transportation companies, which is just huge for the transportation world in general. Um, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of transportation companies that were that were quoted on that and still felt like on my LinkedIn page, all I could see is people saying, Oh, Inc. <laughs> we got nominated for Inc. 5000. I saw so many different companies that we worked with that uh, that were yeah. that have made that list. Exactly right. And it, it is very, very exciting. I think uh and Freightways is very fortunate. We were we were the we were the highest on the list of any company in Tennessee, uh, which was exciting. Little old lust over here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So, uh, very exciting. Yeah, number eighty five on on a list of five thousand fastest privately held companies, uh, uh, growing companies in in the United States. Um, uh, but um, so very 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 exciting there. It's, it's been good to us. Uh, but yeah, a lot like you said, a lot of companies there on the on the freight side of things, um, which is you know. Great to see is for the industry, but uh, also kind of shows the need that the industry really has and what, what's really being demanded of it, um, which we're going to get into. Something else kind of going along those lines, talking about demand is um, the other day, our very own Craig Fuller wrote an article on um, the new infrastructure bill. Now, to keep in mind, the infrastructure bill is not finalized. There's still a lot of elements that have to go through to get something like that truly finalized. It's around a $1.2 trillion price tag right now, so about what Kyle and I make in a year. But... So there's a lot, lot to it, okay? So it's not finalist, but here's what we do know so far. I'm going to walk you through. We're not going to actually walk through so much the actual um, uh, infrastructure bill that's been proposed, but more so if it does pass in its current state, what potential implications it could have on the freight market. So Craig Fuller, CEO of Freightwaves, uh, for those that aren't aware, um, uh, dives into this a little bit into this article on freightways.com. And it's really, really good here. So um, basically, like, what's the number one thing that drives truckload rates? Demand, right? Demand impacts capacity, right? And and it all has a trickle down effect. You know who needs freight, right? You know, like uh, like we've said in the past, right? Freight truckload rates are nothing more than an advertising mechanism to let people know who needs capacity, which is exactly right. Ultimately determined by demand, right? If demand goes up, that will have an impact on capacity. If demand goes down, that will have an impact on capacity. Um, so what's interesting about the the bill is obviously there's a lot in there around you know, new infrastructure with roads and bridges and tolls and, you know, ports and the whole nine, right? We know that. Probably give a, a much-needed lift for, in, in a lot of areas. Um, but where, where Craig talks about this is he comes from a side of, listen, when you have to look at, you know, he, he almost comes at it from like a driver shortage perspective of, listen, there's a lot of demand for drivers right now since there is a capacity crunch. Driver wages are going up, all of that. When this, if this infrastructure do, bill does get passed in its current form, or even if there are some changes with it, what's, will, what may likely happen is there will be continued demand for supplies in the manufacturing world to actually produce all of these goods. That will have an increase in construction spending, which will, and, and the construction world will have an increased need for labor, so they'll potentially increase wages. Manufacturing jobs, those high paying manufacturing jobs, will start to come in. So all of those will compete for demand for labor from trucking world, right? There's, there's a, lot, a lot of this skilled labor that we'll call it, 
right? So there's going to be a big demand for that. And that may actually cause another capacity crunch or rather at least prevent our capacity from getting better over the next year. Um, right. Because what, what does he quote? A lot of competition. It's really what is it doing? It's opening up, you know, a lot of competition for drivers and and which is what we're looking at. And, and being that you have three variables coming into effect here, one being the amount of drivers coming into the market is not as high as the amount of drivers leaving the market. Um, secondary, s- secondary to that is the clearinghouse, you know, being a little bit more strict on these, as we should. I mean, I can't say that's a bad thing that we increase to hair follicle testing for drug use, but it's, it also has its effect. So we have more drivers leaving the market due to these implications. And so you, you throw all those, th- those three um, together with the average age of a driver being, I think, right at 45. Um, so it's, it's an old demographic that is, is, is going out of the market. So it's going to cause a lot of competition. It's going to cause a lot of uh, demand because it doesn't seem like there's an increase in supply coming to the market unless, unless our boy Elon just decides to throw something in. And now all of a sudden we have automated vehicles going across the roads all the time. As fun as it would love, I would love as fun as it would be to have all these self-driving vehicles all over the place. Um, uh, we we might not be there too too soon. Um, Let me just shoot him a text. I'll just I'll send him a message. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> listen, 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 Elon. You know, we're your biggest fans. We're not, but pretend like we are. Throw an emoji in there. That always works. Stop. Yeah. Tip. Stop. The, stop Doge, saying bad Doge things Doge about all all the Doge coins. Just. You know, throw us a good tweet every once in a while when we need it, and that's we'll right. be good to go. We'll be good to go. No, that's right. There, there's a really cool chart, though, that's referenced in this article. And I'm going to go ahead and throw it up here uh, for viewers' sake. And th- this chart is really designed to show, you know, a good way to track the demand of the market of both, you know, retail sales right here in millions. That's the blue line, right? Up and to the right over the last five years. We've seen that big dip there at the beginning of 2020 which is right when the pandemic hit. And then we kind of just shot off to a rocket ship. A lot of that was due to that government stimulus and all kinds of things, but basically consumer spending, which drives a lot of the market. Consumer spending does, right? Consumer is very, very important. Even if you're in the trucking world and you move, you know, industrial goods that are not, do not go down to the consumer, right? Consumer spending still leads the market, right? Just because you're not moving retail goods for Amazon or Walmart doesn't mean, you know, the consumer doesn't run your world, right? Even if you're taking building materials to, you know, apartments or to constructions or office buildings or bridges or whatever, right? Consumer spending money puts that money back into the economy. So it's still a very important measure to keep an eye on. And the orange line there is the industrial supply management, PMI. PMI um, stands for uh, Pricing Managers Index. And um, basically, the higher that number goes, implies growth. When this number is over 50, right now it's at 59 and a half, that implies growth. When it's over under 50, that implies contraction in the world, the industrial world. So that's why we're looking at these. So the green, the blue line is consumer world. The orange line is the industrial world. And basically when that blue line goes up and to the right, there's an increased demand for trucking for sure. When the orange line goes up, there's also an increased demand for trucking, but specifically there will also be an increased demand for labor in the industrial world that was that's not directly involved in trucking. So, you know, when those two numbers are climbing, you have seen an increase in demand and potentially an increase in competition for labor for drivers. Yeah, no, and it's really interesting, right where you have your mouse hovered, is that we are back to the same point on the ISM as we were in late 2018. 
mean, mm. September, actually about this time in 2018, looks like right about August is the last time that the PMI was right at about 60. And also for those who may not be viewing this live or watching this on our website, uh, you know, th this looks like it's down actually from the beginning of the year. Is that, I mean, if you zoom in a little bit there, Luke, looking really at the 2021 area, um, it looks like we really have peaked back there in early March at like a 65. And now we're actually looks like a trend downward. Well, it, it's really it's really about flat from where we started the year. We started the year at 59.0 and we went mm -hmm. all the way up to around almost 65 and we've come down to 58 um, or 59.5. So we're ever so slightly above where we started the year, but we are off of our peak from the year which isn't, isn't that uncommon if we, we scroll out a little bit, right? A lot of times you'll see a, a jump right at the start of the year. So like 2018, we, we went up a little bit, then we came down a little bit, and then we you know kind of ticked up, then we went down a little bit in the beginning of the year, same thing. Right at the yeah. start of 2017, we went up, we went down a little bit, went up some more. So, you know, not that uncommon. So we started this year, we went up, then we went down a little bit. So we, if the trend continues, we might tick back up, um, but time will tell, of course. Um, there's, we are definitely not in a normal year by any means. So that could change. No, we're not. No, that's, that's really interesting. You bring it up because we are, per, I mean, what are, what's, what's right now, right now we're looking at, we're looking down the barrel at retail sales to boom again. Um, given that chart, it looked like really the largest increase that we've seen in retail sales in the past three years. And now that we're going into uh, retail season, historically being October through the end of the year. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, this affects the trucking markets because trucking rates are already significantly high right now, and and so for shippers that are that are out there, it almost be. I mean, Luke, would you advise them don't don't run a bid right now? Running a bid right now could could have substantial impacts because if you eat negotiate right now, you're already negotiating high, but the the likelihood of it going higher is actually pretty high. And, and so when we start talking about service and, and items of that nature, it's, I mean, it's almost like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So this is a really interesting point, right? You know, and, 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 you know, you hear a lot of folks saying, listen, now's a bad time to run an RFP. Now's a good time to run an RFP, regardless of where you stand. The reality is you're going to have to be very cautious towards doing things the same way that you have done them in the past. So just because you used to run a bid around this time does not necessarily mean it's a good time to do so. And just because you don't run bids around this time doesn't mean, may mean that it might be a good time for you. It's all dependent on your network. But the reality is things are very different. And, I'm, you know, we've had this conversation before. A lot of shippers are running mini bids more often. I was talking mm -hmm. to one, of, I'm not, I can't say who it is, but I was talking to one of the largest food and bev makers in the world the other day. And they said they have an RFP in place and they also run a mini bid almost once a week right now. It's insane. Almost once a week. One of the largest food and bed companies in the world. That can mean, that's a lot of companies, obviously, I'm, I'm including, you know, you got your beer, your, your, your alcohol, food and beds, your non, but you can, you might be able to figure out it's only a handful of folks, but they're that. Can you imagine being an employee with that? that? Can you imagine like you're the employee working? who's in charge of it? I talked to the one who's directly in charge. Is he, is he writing up his resume? <laughs> is he, is they, he, they can't you know, breathe. They literally yeah. have no time to breathe. I like, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, and the problem is they're getting so much pressure from up top. It's like, and then that was probably why we were in conversations for them to, to take a lot of the sonar data is 
like, hey, we need to communicate. We, we, it, you can't communicate without data, right? The re data exists for one very simple purpose. Data provides a non-biased third party to facilitate a conversation of people who are on two sides of the aisle, right? So let's say that you think freight volumes are going up. I think freight volumes are going down. We both believe that based on our own experience. So we say, hey, let's find a data point that we both agree on. So in this case, we'll say freight wave sonar volumes. Let's see, look, are they up or are they down? Well, they're up from where they were a week ago, so I guess they're up, right? So we can say, okay, you're right, my bad, I was wrong, and great, you were right, no problem. That's why we'll use the data. So data exists for that purpose. So you can't communicate with people effectively until you have a non-biased source of truth that you can both agree on and look to to answer those questions. Yeah, which is happening right now. I mean, rates are almost insignificant. I mean, you having a rate benchmark or looking at spot market rates is is really, I mean, it's a good foundation, but we're having to look at a new norm. Um, and, and we went through a shift throughout summer and we've had to kind of look at what is the new norm probably about three or four different times just in 2021. And and so what is this what does this mean for both sides of the aisle being the shippers of the world who actually have the freight and the logistics providers that move the freight? And and really it's going to come down to how we all service because we can't benchmark our carriers and our um, and our partners based off of just singularly the rate because having constant mini bids you're always having to shift you're always having to change and, and mold and and so now it comes down to how do we monitor service and how do we benchmark service and on and all these other factors outside of just what's happening in our four walls because I can have a to your point Luke when we start talking about data being that that conversation starter. Um, I could have a 88% primary tender acceptance. That could be absolute dog crap. But it's what if I said that was up from 80 last month? I mean, we'd be trending in the right direction. We'd be saying that that is a that is that is very is a very good standing when you are talking to your customers. And and so that's where you know some of the sonar data from the conversations that I've facilitated internally with customers that are being onboarded. It's not necessarily just to see what rates are. It's to see, okay, how do we how do we benchmark ourselves? And that tender rejection index becomes a really, really good um, baseline to be able to say, how am I successful in the market that I'm giving? Given is it, is based off the hands that I'm, the hand that I've dealt, it, am I successful? And there's no other tool out there that can really provide you with that level of insight um, in the market right now. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on there. That's absolutely fantastic. And and one thing, you know, part, part of something everybody's keeping an eye on right now is it's, you know, the great quarter guys talked about this is, are we going to have a potential, you know, super peak season? Are we, are we going to hit a new summit, if you will, for freight volumes? I'll tell you what's one of the biggest leading indicators of freight volumes. Imports. Imports. Boom. Let's take a look. Throw it up on the screen here for the people to see. So if you look at this chart here, this is pretty much since right about the beginning of 2020, all the way there on the bottom left. So you got about a little over a year and a half here that you're looking at. These are weekly imports in this example. We do get the data daily, but we're looking at it weekly here. Um, that red line is simply like, you know, the, the, the three-week moving average, okay? So obviously that moving average is at the highest point it's been in the last almost two years on this chart. We started 2020 down here. These are kind of your seasonal norms. We fell down when the pandemic, boom, we shot up. And we, we've just kind of been riding this high here. And you'll notice 
we've actually kind of hit a new all-time high for weekly imports right there. That was last week. Just a week ago, we hit a new all-time high for imports, period. That's that's crazy because when we start thinking about things, Luke, I mean, we talk about this every week. Like, with, I mean, you brought it up earlier today with the infrastructure bill. Like, these ports aren't just able to turn on a light switch and start pulling in more containers. They don't just add more cranes. They don't just add more chassis. So it's it's just really crazy how these ports are really operating at max capacity and they just keep hitting new record highs yeah i mean we we know we've all seen we've all seen the charge ships are just you know hanging out in harbor just waiting to be like let me know when i can unload i'm sitting right you know it's funny i was on linkedin i'm not going to say exactly who who posted it but i I saw a post on linkedin it was a ceo of a of a manufacturing company and the guy said was (laughs) anyone knows who, who i can talk to to get a container from Shanghai to the United States for under $16,000, comment below. And I was looking at the comments and the I was just dying because everyone was trolling everyone on that thing because it's it's non-existent. I mean, you for you to be able to get a container for less than $20,000 right now is is just insane. I think the the Port of LA just quoted a, a another record for the most amount of ships at anchor out of the bay. So, I mean, it's just continuing to be just a free-for-all, a wild, wild west of just these vessels can kind of do whatever they want and price what what they can because they, I mean, there's a huge backlog. They can. We said it, we said it the other day, Kyle, or I guess a few weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago now, when Maersk put out their Q1 earnings for this year, they did more profit in Q1 of this year, more profit in Q1. A single quarter, folks, that's three months. If you're not keeping up, yeah, they did more profit in a three-month period than they did. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me be more specific. They did ten times more <laughs> profit in Q1 of this year than they did in the entirety of 2020 combined. You know, it's even worse. I don't even want to think about this, but I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on because it's probably true. Merck is a publicly traded company. You don't think that some of these executives are compensated with bonuses based off of how well they do. And the fact that we were just able to inflate the market on top of what it was already done because all the blank sailings. And now, then now look at that. It's, it's like, well, look, I'm a genius. We are the smartest people here. And, and it's so interesting because there's, I think we talked about this article two weeks ago, Easton Corp. Um, they wrote up an article and they're quoting that they were doing malpractice and that they were, they were intentionally withholding volumes that they were guaranteed on a contract. And they're like, yeah, sorry. Um, good luck with that. So, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And what here's to put that into perspective. So they, they basically did just over 3 billion in profit or net income. Right. In twenty in Q one of twenty twenty one, they did a little over three hundred million dollars in profit in all of twenty twenty. So they're ten ten x thousand percent increase in one quarter in 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 one fourth the amount of time. If they maintain that pace this entire year, I think they'll be right around where Walmart's net income will be. That's insane. <laughs> that is that is absolutely insane. And, but like, what's what's going to give? I was. I mean, we were. We talk about this with our, the shippers that we talk to. And it's the reason why shippers are so prevalent using the sonar data now. What's going to change? What can, like, let's get creative here, Luke. Like, what do we think could actually bring rates down? I mean, it could only be a few things. 
added supply, right. less consumer spending. I mean, but we don't see that happening. So for, I mean, this feels like the new norm because it is kind of that new norm. And so companies are going to have to do things different than they've ever had to do things. I mean, you yeah. said it right off. You, you can't just throw out a bid and think, well, let's just throw out a bid like we normally do, which is, you know, kind of wipe our hands and then we can take a little bit of a breather for the next three months until we get to those quarterly business reviews. Um, that's that's a, unfortunately a thing of the past, um, which is why signals and proactive data and third-party sourcing, not what your logistics 3PL provides you weekly and in insights, it's what from the source, what is what is that third party saying that we both can agree on? Um, not just you telling me that the sky is blue and I don't believe you. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head, right? You know, if you're, if you, if you want to make change, right? You know, we, we ran into the situation with the pandemic that really just caught the wild, wild west in the transportation world, especially on the ocean side, but even in the trucking world domestically. So it, it caused the wild, wild west. If you want that to change, you have to know where to make changes. You have to know where to communicate. Shippers and carriers want to communicate together. They do, okay? They don't hate each other, okay? Despite what some people say, there's some bad eggs out there, but for the most part, they want to work together. They need each other, right? Right. So they want to work with each other, but they kind of all just, there was this wild, wild west that happened, and people make a lot of knee-jerk reactions when that happened. Um, so they want to work together. They need to be able to communicate. You know, when, maybe it's not an annual RP. Maybe we go to quarterly. Maybe we go to monthly. Maybe it's just a continuous cycle of like, hey, it's a dynamic pricing. I've heard everything. But the reality is you can't have those conversations until you know where to make the changes, right? I don't know right. where to make adjustments here or there until I know what's going on here or there. Not just within my network, but within others' networks. And that's, to your point, where a single source of truth data platform like Sonar comes into play because it does that for you. It tells you what everybody else is doing. It tells you what they're experiencing. So it allows you to make those decisions. Be like, listen, hey, Let's let, let's get around here. Let's everybody sit around the campfire. We're going to sing Kumbaya. We're going to look at this. And it says, okay, great. Here's here's what's happening in the market. Volumes are up 12%. Fantastic. That means other shippers are requesting a lot more demand from their carriers. We want to make sure we have that capacity. So you talk to your provider and say, listen, I see volumes are up 12%. Are we good here? What has to happen for us to secure this capacity? We want to keep service levels high. We want, to be, we want rates to be reasonable, but we, we want our service level to be good, let's at least have that conversation. You can't have that conversation if you don't know what happened to demand. That's so true. And and so like, you know, that's how we do it. And, and on top of that, I know we're coming up on a couple of minutes here. It's, you know, it's not just data because we talk about data all the time, but there's so much data out in the, in the economy right now that anyone can really get their hands on. It's like, how does someone aggregate that data? How do we how do we vet that information to be true? And how do we know um, that is a truth that we can both speak to? And I think that's where freight waves, I mean, it's the reason why we are 85 on the Inc. 5000. It's the reason why we're one of the fastest growing technology companies in the world. In the world, That might be a little, <laughs> a little big, but in America, at least, um, it's because of how we've structured the agreements of the partners that we have. And, and, and that's how we have this proprietary tender data. And it gives us a really good source. I mean, look at what you just showed, Luke. You were, were looking at retail dollars spent. We were looking at the ISM. We were looking at um, weekly import shipments. We talk about the tender data all the time. I mean, it's just having that all in one area so that we can look at it all in a singular fashion and not have to go to 16 different points to try to find that information. Oh, absolutely. Truly remarkable.